Most of us are daily activities are involved with juggling all sorts of different circumstances. Most of us have a lot to do, places to go, schedules to keep, tasks to complete. Oftentimes, the nature of the, the consciousness that's uh, called for in the, in the modern, fairly busy, information-laden age, the quality of consciousness in terms is quite broad, holding an array, skipping around from this and that to try not to drop too many of the juggling balls. to then find oneself in a circumstance where the activity is very simplified. We're not called upon uh, to do a lot of external things. So there is this uh, opportunity for mindful offering uh, during the work period uh, that we're allowed to do that in silence and we'll be encouraged to do that as a, as a simple offering so that this retreat house can function. But as we find ourselves many hours of the day uh, with sitting walking within the silence we, we are catapulted face to face or eyeball to eyeball as one of our teachers says with our own karmic patterns of restlessness And a mind is always evaluating how it's going, what we want to do, what we should do, what they should do. And we're used to taking our, our cues from, as oftentimes we are, just from what the thoughts are in the moment. It can be very, we can feel lost, we can feel very confused with this swirl of thoughts happening, the residual restlessness, the fatigue, sense of compulsion, still echoing in our nervous system from, naturally, from the way that we've been living. I would encourage all of us these first few days, rather than making great decisions about how retreats are, about even how I must practice, 
I would really encourage us to to be very, very simple these first few days and to make the practice immediate. Where's my body? How how is how is this body? What is it like to be with this body now? Mind wrapping away. Gosh, if I do this, if I do that, I'm not. I'm really understanding the natural thought. But when we take our cue just from the thought, and thought is very ephemeral, very fleeting, when we take our cue for how we're going to be, how we're going to direct ourselves just from the thought, it's a very shaky ground to orient our lives, from which to orient our lives. Our thoughts can be in Tibet, can be in South Africa, can be in Tennessee can be here, can be there, all in a half a second. When a whole sense of self in the world is almost solely created through reacting to thought and emotion then we can become very fragmented, split. In the midst of the flurry, of the flurry of thoughts, can we ask the question, but how is the body now? And it's a... Uh, <coughs> last night, uh, encouraged us beautifully by sharing the various stories of the Buddha's life and the insight that the young prince had or the insight that the the practitioner had uh, when he was stuck in his practice when he remembered back when he was a young prince at the festival, his father's plowing festival. And he withdrew. Not with any great violent act of rejecting the festival. Just withdrew to one side. The festival was still there. But it didn't became at the periphery of his consciousness. He withdrew, sat down in the shade of a tree and was with the body, with his body, with the innocence of a child, not trying to use some great metaphysical system to analyze the breath. But what what is the beauty of a child's mind is it uh, non-harboring a certain opinion or bias, but that quality of open, openness, freshness. The children have when they 
look at something that we might have seen so many times, we can't see the sea anymore, just the sea. And then there's all these other things I've got to do after we have our holiday. We don't even see the sea, it's just the sea, or there's a wave. Oh, body, breath, oh, there it is. Yeah, it goes in, goes out. But there's this to do, that to do. But a child can, can look at the sea and be mesmerized, or all, maybe all, struck with all, wide-eyed. In the same way, can we look at the breath and really open to it, be with it? After all, it is keeping us alive. What is this withdrawing, withdrawing from the festival? This is this, what Tanisha spoke about last night, renunciation. It's not a violent rejection. It's beginning to activate this muscle, learning how to relinquish to let something be, let something go. It's not appropriate at this moment. It's not helpful to us. For so much of the time we we follow thoughts, we follow the various desires and aversions taking us over here because this might be interesting, taking us over there because that might be interesting. Fair enough. But if we don't have the capacity to let something be or let something go, then that's called bondage, it's called slavery. There's no choice. We're just conditioned. Worry comes and that's it. We're a worried person who has to keep chasing the tail of that worry, thinking we're going to arrive at the end. Our thought comes, oh, wouldn't it be nice to walk over there? Wouldn't it be nice to walk over there? That's called samsara, when, when mesmerized by this sense of something out there, over there, will be pleasing. Nothing evil in that. But this movement to get toward that which is delightful, to get away from that which I don't want, <coughs> is endless. Because even when we get somewhere, it keeps melting. <coughs> when we habitually are hypnotized by these thoughts that take us out, we don't have any renunciation. And then we were deprived of knowing the heart itself, that, that which can well up from within. We become fragmented from our heart, split from our heart, split from the center, from the source. This activity of samadhi has been called that which is healing, because it's... Uh, opening up to us the, the possibility of discovering a source, a source of ease, 
source of pleasure that wells up from within. How, what is the mechanism? How do we, how do we do it? How do we? I mean, no one wants, I don't think, wants to be in bondage. We don't like the idea of being a slave to every little thought or impulse that flickers through the mind. How how do we relinquish? How do we step away for a time from the festival? And how, does, how then do we start to access the possibility of unification, healing? The, the Buddha gave very clear uh, instruction, doesn't mean to say it's easy, but he gave very clear instruction about those factors. Tanisha has already begun to cover them. But those qualities, those factors, that when they're in place, they support this unification of mind, this stability of mind, this gathering of body-mind. What's called the... In the language the Buddha spoke, they're called the jhana factors. Jhana can be a word for calm, states of calm, state of tranquility. The first factor that needs to be in place that can be very helpful in in, in, in this activity is vitaka. Some of you have heard this many times before. Well, this is a quality that will help us for the rest of our lives. I find again and again, the more I reflect on these things, which I might have heard a thousand times, it's easier for me to go deeper into understanding them. So I encourage you to be patient if you can already quickly name off the jhana factors. Pitakavichar, pitisuke, kakatama. Okay, you get an A for that. Are you peaceful? Pitaka Vichara. Pitaka means that which brings the mind somewhere, the directed mind. Start to get a feeling for this primary factor. There's a certain willfulness in it. When it's extreme, it becomes too willful. When it's not present at all, we are lost. We float. And then, and, and then it's just the next thought that comes along, or the next sensation that comes along, or the next memory that comes along that directs our mind, directs us, knocks us. But a conscious thought can direct the mind. Notice how thought does direct the mind when I say South Africa. Dhammagiri, the name of our hermitage, and I'm there. You can see the mountain. 
I'm looking for Jack, our dog. I've heard he's not feeling well. I'm looking, looking for him. Since the lay of the land, I, I think my mother and father, Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm there. The mind is directed. I can see the lake where I grew up, Lake Sukamaga, Prairie Peninsula. I think the past. Ten years ago. So what happens? The mind notice the mind is directed in a different way. I think future. How's it gonna be today? Am I gonna get more lost? Will I have a big insight? Notice how thought directs attention. Not that thought is bad. Thought is what it is, a powerful tool. An important part of skill at stabilizing the body-mind is recognizing this power of thought to direct attention and then beginning to consciously use it gently. It is, it is using of will, but gently saying here, now, that's a thought, here, now. The body sitting. Notice what thought, where that thought takes us. Breathing in. Directed thought is only leads to true stability of mind when it's unified with, balanced with. Twinned with, sustained, what's called sustained thought. It's called sustained thought, but that's, it's so misleading. It's called vichara. But it's, it's the receptive quality. That in us which can then receive and really open to. So actually, really, even having thought in the definition, in the scriptures they say directed thought, sustained thought, or evaluative thought. Sometimes it sounds like you have to write an essay about something. But actually, it's, it's talking about directed thought, gong, the thought that takes the attention, and then what is that in us which is humble enough, childlike enough, to receive, without view and opinion, what we've directed our mind to. To notice texture, to notice the shape of the gong, the temperature, cool, experiment. If we're full of views and opinions, full of expectations, then there's no vichara. It's more demanding, it's more will. Actually, vichara is very, in a way of speaking, it's male. It, it points, it directs. The guitar is more the feminine quality of receiving and then allowing the mind to fill all the shapes, to fill the texture, to, to really bond. That, that's how samadhi deepens, because within we bond. You can't bond if you just 
It's like, you know, if you're having a conversation with somebody else, and they go, hello! You know, big, that's big, that's big talker. But if it's only that, it's like a punch. And we keep punching out. And there's no, have you noticed sometimes if you're in conversation, that there's somebody who's always coming at you, but then they might even be talking about how wonderful you are. You're incredible. <laughs> they might even be quoting things that you said five years ago or yesterday, but do they ever actually invite you into the space? That's the far. Yeah, the talk is important because it brought us there as opposed to here. As opposed to here. As opposed to here. It's a conscious saying, yes, I want to be here. But then can we be humble enough then to really step aside so that we can receive what's here? I encourage us to really explore this. It doesn't have to be a lot of thinking in Vichara. So when, when Vitaka says, here I am sitting, the mind comes here, then Vichara feels the body. We might notice there's an in-breath. It notices an expansion. What do you do with that? You're in touch. When people... So the mind might say, oh, is this a good in-breath? Is it a bad? Am I doing it right? We might notice that, but then the withdrawing, the renunciation is, as Tanisha just was talking last night, just let's let that be. Do we have to really fully engage the thought, is this a good breath? Am I doing it right? We can just notice that. Let it go. Let it be. And then stay with the sensation itself. This renunciation is a little bit like if we're living in a village and there's a shop where we can get some milk in the morning and basically we want to go get some milk and come back and have a cup of tea. And as we go to the shop, we might notice some other people in the village. We might nod. We don't have to wear a mask being disguised but no one will see us. People might say hello. We nod, but we we let we weave in and out of those that we pass. We we can nod. We can be polite. We don't have to stop and deeply engage every single person. Someone can say, "How are you? Fine. Good morning. How are you? What a question. <laughs> God." How am I? <laughs> and how are you? I mean, that's lovely. But we... I'm speaking from experience. I have great problem with renunciation. I'm trying to learn to, to develop more, the ability to let go and watch the whole guilt feeling. Oh, God, I just let that person go by. <laughs> we didn't drop a cluster bomb. <laughs> what this is very important muscle even if we're not good at it it's a very important muscle later in this retreat I'm getting ahead of myself excuse me later in this retreat yes we'll have a chance to, to fully be with different moods different concerns 
But we're doing yoga of the heart. A good yoga person doesn't just do a twist, and that's it. And only do a back bend. It looks funny in a back bend all the time. We do back bend, forward bend, side bend. If you only just let go all the time, one it just can be a cabbage. <laughs> I like cabbages, but it's not the full flowering of, of human human potential. Letting go is important, but also being able to direct. Let's get a feeling for it, not violently, but to be able to to assault or worry. A sour mood comes up. We nod, hello. Then let it be. If it keeps coming back, okay, we'll work with it eventually. But to get a feeling for, can we just let that go? Direct the mind back and then really work on staying with something. What are we staying with? Primarily, all we need to remember these first few days, the embodied experience whether we're sitting. Ah, this this is going on. There must be some... Ah, thank you. Body. Doesn't have to be violent. And and, and then there's an uncomfortable thing. But I I really want to think about that. And where can we find that feeling in the solar plexus? It's in the body. So we start to get a feeling. The mind says, here and now, Vichara, or that which bonds us or sustains us in contact with being with the body, expanding and contracting, stays with our uncomfortable feeling. We actually start sustaining moments of presence. This is the origin of samadhi. So thoughts can actually help be like markers, or like noting, little pointers. You can have a thought like breathing in when we breathe in, or a thought breathing out when we breathe out. It's a quiet, it doesn't have to be a boom, sonic boom, it can be quiet. If it's too quiet, okay, turn the volume inside up a little bit. But let the thought that says here, let that thought be there and then let it dissolve enough so that then we're just being alert. It's dissolving into alertness. So that really we're really in touch with what that thought was pointing at. These two factors work together. The third factor, piety means rapture. We talk ourselves out of this so much. These first few days, sometimes one doesn't feel a lot of rapture. Oh, God. I knew it. I knew I wasn't doing it right. I knew I wasn't doing it right. Look for the seed of rapture. Practice the seed of rapture that can flower into that. That's just a word, an English word. Talking, though, about a quality of being filled. 
One word that Tanitha and I uh, like to use now is, is savor. Savor what? That, that's a way of honoring what, what we're holding. But what if what we're holding is, is unpleasant? Can we savor that? Savor the care of it, the simplicity of a slightly unpleasant feeling. If it's a really powerful pain, okay, maybe we need to shift our posture. But I'm talking about these, we, we block off rapture from growing and developing because we, we get turned away too quickly by discomfort. And that's a form of restlessness. That's a form of tension in the body. That has to be breathed through. has to be patiently held and savored so that the energy little by little builds up. The container that rapture happens in is, is not moving to get to rapture. That's coming from a place of, of a sense of, I don't have it here, I've got to get over there. That's a tension. Rapture fills us when we give it a, a space to occupy. It's like if you want to pour water into a glass, it's useful for a glass to be, have a space. What is the space? The space is the heart. Let me give you a feeling for how this, this works. Like uh, the Buddha oftentimes taught in images. Because sometimes the simile or the image helps us grasp a principle that, uh, that thinking didn't, doesn't do on its own. What monks is the five-factor noble right concentration, said the Buddha. There is the case where a monk quite withdrawn from sensuality, chasing after some, something outside. Withdrawn from sensuality, withdrawn from unskillful qualities, enters and remains in the first state of peace, the first jhana. Rapture and pleasure born from this stepping back from this withdrawal, accompanied by directed thought and sustained thought, or he calls it evaluation in this translation. The monk or the meditator permeates, pervades, suffuses, fills this very body with the rapture and pleasure born from withdrawal there is nothing of his entire body unpervaded by rapture and pleasure born from withdrawal. Here's the image. Just as a skilled bathman or bathman's apprentice would pour bath powder into a brass basin, knead it together, sprinkling it again and again with water so that this ball of powder, saturated, moisture-laden, permeated within and without, would nevertheless not drip. Even so, the monk permeates this very body with rapture, pleasure, born of withdrawal. There is nothing 
of this entire body unpervaded by the rapture and pleasure born from withdrawal. This is the first development of the five-factored noble right concentration. Brass basin, lovely brass basin. That's the heart. That's just awareness. It's big. Awareness. The face which holds it. Withdrawing from chasing after things outside, accompanied by directed thought. The thought that says, yes, here we are, sitting, breathing in, breathing out. That's the directed thought. The evaluation, or the what, what we're calling the receptive mind, is that when it receives the body, that's like the powder. The powder is the body. It's fragmented in lots of little pieces. What the bathman's apprentice or the bathman, what is sprinkling this moisture, sprinkling moisture so that it, little by little, and then kneading it, little by little, permeating the dryness so that it's moisture-laden, so that it starts to bond and become something different, something cleansing, something more energized. The powder is like the body. What is the water? The water is the awareness, moments of awareness. To notice in-breath, to notice the sensation at the chest, to notice the sensation at the nostrils, to notice the sensation of the body and the legs and the hips. The hands that are kneading, what is kneading this water into the powder? holding it. What are these hands? It's the movement of the breath. The breath is this rhythm. It constantly brings in a, a gentle wave. Can we allow that wave to bless as we breathe in? It quickens. It blesses the energy of the body. And then the mind is like the basin. It holds, it holds all of this. This operation of mixing mind, heart, awareness with body. Savoring then is, is allowing whatever the feeling is, allowing that to be appreciated. Savoring means to appreciate. It doesn't say you have to like it, but appreciate it, not judge it, not too quickly write off something. We can open and be with just the feeling of the body. Relaxing with each out breath, and the mind wanders off, encouraging it back with a quiet thought, in, out. Then staying right with that sensation. And little by little, this moisture of awareness permeates the body. As Tanisha read uh, last night, the, the, the beginning is, is noticing when we're breathing in long, breathing out long. Sometimes we might have to arise to take a few deep breaths, quiet ones, just to establish that we're here. For a while, the long breath might be even following the path of the breath, just to get a feeling for the whole body. 
I really encourage us not to too quickly try to narrow the focus, to jump into the short breath too quickly. Sometimes we don't establish enough of a foundation in really being here. Our teacher Ajahn Chah used to encourage us for a while to follow the path of the breath, meaning as we breathe in, notice that it enters the nostrils, so the attention notices the coolness here, notices that the chest moves as we breathe in farther, notice at the end of the in-breath you even feel the diaphragm coming in. So one can, it's a little bit more moving, but one can allow the awareness to, to gently, at the beginning of the breath, be at the head, move to the chest, move to the abdomen, then as one breathes out, the attention moves back up. Just to get a feeling for the whole body, breathing in, nostrils, chest, abdomen, breathing out, abdomen, chest, nostrils. The thought might encourage us at first to be with this path of the breath, but really more and more we're bonding, unifying with the body sensation by being quiet, and quiet enough and humble enough to feel the clothes touching the abdomen, to feel the movement of the ribcage, to feel the coolness of the breath as it touches the nostrils. then naturally we'll find that that calms down a bit. We, we don't need to keep moving. We'll, we'll naturally want to allow the attention to settle more somewhere. Not rigidly, but some of us more prefer to notice the breath of the nostrils. But allow. But remember the bowl is still holding. Don't scrunch up the sense of being. Allow it to be a beautiful brass bowl. At the center of it we might notice the in and the out. But remember, after noticing the longer breath, the shorter, more subtle breath, the Buddha taught to experience the whole body. The whole body. So as the breath comes in, we might feel a sensation at the nostrils or a sensation at the chest or a sensation as the abdomen moves. But to experience the whole body means to practice allowing the awareness to, to be wide enough to check in how the knees. How's the back? To allow, this is the suffusing process. So it's not looking at the breath, it's being with breath. It's just this, this bowl, this, this spaciousness of awareness has within it body. We're surrounded by awareness. And as we relax on the out-breath, then we allow the tingling of the breath energy. We allow ourselves to feel the sensation. The sensation that we feel in the body, whatever it is, that is part of the breath. That's the breath body. That's not the breath, it's just the tingling. You can call it a tingling, but it's the, the body that one feels. The energy body. The conscious body. The experiential body. That's what the breath body is talking about, pointing to. In a few days, if one keeps allowing the attention to hold and stay with the sensations, even if one is lost, 
even if thoughts keep coming, oh, I don't know. I encourage us to keep honoring those, tip our hat there, but then go right to the sensation in the body, knowing this is how it is now. Savor that, meaning creating space to relax around that feeling. Then, little by little, energy can well up, and what starts to happen is the fragmented nature of the body-mind, those, those blocks start to melt. That's the way to describe it. You can't notice the difference between powder and water anymore. It's, it's become one thing. It takes patience. And from savoring, the, the, the fourth quality is just, just ease. Just keep deeply relaxing. Savor and relax. The fifth quality is unification. It doesn't help a lot to talk a lot about it. The word is ekagata, but it's, you'll recognize it when it's there. It feels one. There might be five fingers. There might be five qualities. You could call it applied thought. Receptive thought, receptive mind, you can call it rapture, ease, and unification, but really it's one hand. There might be the thought that says in, out. There might be the quality of mind that's receiving the body, expanding, contracting. There might be a quality of ease, quality of fullness, but it seems to be harmonized. It's one moment. All I can do is encourage you to practice and then you'll recognize this quality when it comes. Sometimes the body then appears to... We can be scared when we're not used to this feeling. We might think we're becoming concrete. Because suddenly all the arms seem to have merged together. Sometimes people think, gosh, I'm becoming... I encourage you to don't worry about that feeling. Relax. You let that feeling go through the bones, go through the tissues. It just burns all the blocks away. And there's a sense of the body just being one. Because we're not just seeing it in terms of me. The external mind says me, feet, spleen, liver. Liver's not so good. Uh, heart bit fast. That's the external body, the experiential body. What's the Buddha's pointing to here? It doesn't have big boundaries. It says end of liver, beginning of spleen. Just the body. It's not even the body. It's the experience of being with the expanding and the contracting. We get a feeling for that. Then we, it's not a renunciation anymore. It's not a question of having to leave the mind that wants to go here and wants to go there. We realize that it's a relief to have permission to stay put for a while. It's a relief.
opportunity, opportunity to enjoy being with something simple and allowing the mind to be open and receive. As this heals the body, this also can heal the world. We can learn the way that we relate to this body and mind as it breathes. It's the same mind that we can then receive another. We can receive our relational experience. So I encourage us to give this a chance. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.